You can learn all you want about rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. But God is a person. He's a person. Learn to talk to Him. He's a person. And He's more important than a model or a plan. I said, well, I'm right with God because I go to church. You can be sitting here in this church right now and not be right with God. Well, I read my Bible. You can read your Bible and not be right with God. You can even pray and not be right with God. And I've seen a lot of people do a lot of things because, well, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. I don't care if you did pray about it. If it's wrong, it's still wrong. Was it the will of God? You see, we don't serve God according to our idea about God. We serve God according to His way. Leaning upon Him. Fine. What does the Word of God say? This is why you can't grow without the Word of God. Uh, this is why Sunday school is so important because you're learning some truth about God. What He wants and doesn't want. Church, Sunday night. When you're learning the Word. And so important to learn the Word. Because you can't know the will of God unless you know the Word of God in order to know the will of God. So it is the will of God to know the Word of God so you can know His will. Does that make sense? And some people get it, and some people never do. They live their whole lives. And they live just like a lost man. Look in John chapter 15. You're right here in the book of Luke. Just turn to your right to John chapter 15. Look there in verse 5. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. It is a he that lives in the church. We're talking about a person. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me, and you ought to underline this, without me. Not some little plan that you got. Not because you've got all the things in row, and you're mechanical, and you're just nothing more but a robot. He is a person. I know wherever I go and whatever I do, I have a person. The Lord lives in me. And so therefore, knowing that helps me to watch what I say, what I do, how I think. Because you always need some way of restraining yourself to hold you back. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as you don't see another person, I got the freedom to do whatever I want to do. But when you realize I have a person of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. This changes everything. This changes everything. You see, I don't have to worry about whether you are there or you are not there. I know that I got to watch what I think. I got to watch what I do. I'm always on guard. And if I fail to watch and guard, I can ruin my whole life. I can ruin my testimony. So you want to grow in grace, learning from the Word of God, and God will give you the strength and the grace that you need to do what God wants you to do. Number five, being the preoccupation with results instead of your relationship with the Lord. The reason that that is so dangerous is because you can be so preoccupied with results of something, and you can't control results. Last night... Several trust the Lord at ranch. That's what you're after is those good results. I want that same joy when next Saturday night nobody responded. 
Isn't it true that some Sunday mornings I could give the gospel and you'll hear me say, God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. And then sometimes nobody says anything. I am supposed to be thankful to the Lord that I was obedient and that I gave the gospel. Whether somebody did or they didn't. Now, we want that extra blood because we want people to trust. That's the results. That's what we want. But I better not hang all of my life upon the results that hang upon other people's decisions. You see, you can't make people trust the Lord. Have you ever passed out tracts? Have you had some of them given back to you? Have you ever knocked on doors? Somebody tell you to get lost? Say, oh, no, no, you got it wrong. I'm here to help you because you're lost. And you'd be surprised. Just be found faithful to the Lord. That's where your joy should come from. Because there's something that we can't control. There's circumstances that you and I have no power over. Leave the results to the Lord. And if people trust the Lord, praise the Lord. If nobody prays the Lord, you're still faithful. Praise the Lord. Because God's going to reward you, not for the results of your service, but because of your service. Your faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. And God's just looking for people to be found faithful. So, it's not so much your ability, it's your availability. Can God use you? Number six is comparisons instead of your commitment to your own unique ministry. Did you know that God made us all different, and he has? And that if you want to truly be different, serve the Lord. If you don't serve the Lord, then you're just like a mass of humanity. They're all the same. All living for the same thing. Lives are not really different. You're not as different unless you serve the Lord. I've always had this little desire. I want to be different from everybody in the world. I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm different. I'm Yankee Arnold. I don't want to be anybody else. I might want to be like a few people, but I don't want to be them. Because I am so satisfied with me. You ought to be satisfied with who you are and what God's given you. You're, you're unique. And the Lord tells us not to compare ourselves with others. That's when you get into trouble. Look at this scripture. I want you to see this. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look what he says in verse 12. Verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are what? Not wise. In other words, you're not supposed to compare what you're doing with what somebody else is doing. I must be doing a good job. Why, well, I'm doing just as much as you are. Well, la-di-da. Did you know that he might not be doing everything he ought to be doing? Did you know that God gives some people more than he gives to other people? That's just the facts of life. One man he gave ten talents, one man five talents, one man one talent. 
And God expected all men to be found faithful with whatever He gave to them. This is the book of uh, Matthew chapter 25. Some of y'all, God has blessed with the ability to make more money than what somebody else has. Some people just don't have it. And they'll never do it. Some people, everything they touch seems to turn to gold. Mine turns to coal. <laughs> you say, why doesn't God give me a million dollars? Well, because He can't trust you with a hundred. But you see, don't compare yourself with others because when you want to exalt yourself, you'll always compare yourself with others who are doing worse than you. And whenever you're having a bad day and nothing's going right, and you'll always compare yourself with somebody who's got so much more than you've got in order to justify your ill feelings. Remember when I told you about the dog that bit the duck? <laughs> got down in the mouth? Some of y'all never got that. That's why I repeated it. So you're going to get down in the mouth because, you know, you're comparing yourself. And that can be so defeating. Or it can take and make you feel like you're doing something and God says, you're, you're not really doing what I, I know you can do. You want to compare? Compare yourself with the Lord. He has no faults. When you want to measure yourself, he said, they measured themselves by themselves. He said, you're not wise. Here's the Lord. Here's you. How you doing? Well, I got a little work to do. And to esteem others better than yourselves instead of trying to walk on people and use people. I had people come to church and they said, preacher, <laughs> I love this church. Oh, I love your attitude. I love your motivation. I want you to use me. I want you to use me. So I used him. That's all he wants to do is use me. So you can't win with some people. So you do not want to be unwise. And this is what a lot of people do. Number seven, leading without listening. In other words, you lead, but you don't, you don't listen to the one you're supposed to follow. Every one of us needs to understand, be thou an example of the believer in word, in spirit, in love, deed. You're supposed to be a, an example. The best example is somebody who's following somebody. Are there people watching you? Of course there is. No man is an island unto himself. But you and I are supposed to be listening to the Lord and following the Lord. And sometimes we just want to take and become our own leader in our own selves and just see how many I can rally around me and how great I am. Wait a minute. My job is not supposed to get you just to follow me. I'm supposed to try to get you to follow the Lord. There's the leader. Follow the Lord. Follow me only as I follow him. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But you're supposed to know the Lord. And Lord, are they following the Lord? You've got to be wise for yourself. The way these things in your mind lead by following the Lord. Number eight is competition without cooperation. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, uh, where it talks about we've got such a great cloud of witnesses and that lay aside uh, the sin which does so easily beset us that we may run the race that is set before us. Well, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Running your race 
is the consideration you have for those that are in the race. In other words, my running my race is not like I'm going to leave everybody in a cloud of dust and a Harley high old silver. Running my race is how many can I get to run the race? Running my race is to try to help you in running your race. And you're running your race is to see how many you can help in running their race. For example, in the last year, I've tried to, you know, get as many different ministries and so forth going as I can. I want to see if I want the best for this guy, Peter Amato, then I want to see him have a ministry and I want him to have people help create jobs. I used to have a bus ride in Colorado. And part of the responsibility that I had this one kid is you guard that back door and make sure nobody jumps out. And I expected him to be faithful every time on that bus ride and make sure that nobody jumped off the bus. I would try to create as many different responsibilities. We got James working with the program on Friday night. And then he needs some helpers getting more people involved, more workers. Why? Because I want the best for the people here, so I've got to have something for, for y'all to do. It Just to come to church and sit on the pew is not going to cut. You're not going to get strong that way. What are you going to do as a result of you coming to church? You came here this morning. You're listening to the Word. Now what are you going to do about it? What was the purpose of it? If you walk out those doors and you never make any changes or alterations in your life, nothing happens, nothing changes, then I feel like a failure. Because my part of running my race is to get you to serve the Lord. And it's not just to come to church. I want to see growth in your life. I want you to grow strong in the Lord. I want you to have the strength of Christ in your life. I want you to have fruit that abounds to your account when you stand before the Lord. Because I love him, then I have to love you. And so I want to challenge and motivate people to be faithful, to do what you can with what you have. And that's why I want to try to start. I want, if you say, well, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Well, we got Sunday school. You can help there. Uh, we got Awana. You, you can help there. We got a choir. You can help there. Uh, we got ranch. Now, you can help there. Well, whatever it is. And if we can think of another minister we don't got, we'll start that. There's a lot of things I want to do. Yeah, I'm going on 70 years old, and I could drop dead today. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But I'm not dead yet. There's still a little fire in the gut. I'm not ready to roll over and play dead. When I'm dead, bury me. Not in advance. That makes sense. Of course it makes sense. Number nine, our focus on attracting or attacking the weed instead of attracting with the flowers. You know, some Christians, they spend all their life attacking weeds. All they do is attack weeds. But now, if you love flowers, you have to hate weeds. But some people just motivate themselves by hating all the weeds. But they never love the flowers. You can find yourself... You can listen to Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity and some of these other talk show hosts like that, and you can hear what's going on in the world, and it won't be long. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? 
If you want to save America, get America saved. You can't get lost people to live for the Lord. We need godly people doing the right things. And yes, I believe the election is very important. And I believe God's people ought to vote and to do right. And if I was in my right mind, which I seldom am, I would tell you he's even how to vote. But you said, you have an opinion? Of course. Everybody has opinions. But I believe that my priority and your priority is spiritual things. Because this world is going to burn up anyway one of these days. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to come back soon. That's what I want. So you want to focus upon the beauty of the flower, not how ugly the weeds are. Though you should be able to tell the difference. As a child of God, you might stand up and say, well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I don't go there, and I, blah, 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 blah. All the things about you don't do. Well, that's negative. Tell me what you do. What's positive? Do you love the Lord? You got a good testimony. Are you doing right? Are you faithful? You have character in your life. Are you a man or a woman of integrity? That's more important than anything you'll possess in this life. Number 10, a passion for growth over a priority of grace. Some people have a desire. You want to grow so bad that you forget that uh, there's a way of growing. Growing should be the result of you constantly doing right. You see, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, I didn't try to make myself grow. I remember when I was born in this world. Well, not really, but I remember when I was... Anyway, I was born in this world. And I never had to worry about growing. I just ate, slept, and lo and behold, I grew. So growing is a result of just doing what takes to grow. So I don't have to make that happen. I just let it happen. When I began to read the Word of God and spend time with the Lord and witnessing, so I began to grow stronger as a Christian. So if you want to grow into a strong Christian, just do the things that you're supposed to do as a child of God. See, the only thing that lies between a child of God and a man of God is the Word of God that he feeds upon. And you can't go from childhood to adulthood without the Word. So whenever you eliminate the study of the Word to grow thereby, you're not going to grow thereby. You won't grow. And you can be saved, have eternal life, a child of God, and 20, 30 years later, you're still a child because you can't discern right from wrong because you're still after the milk instead of the meat because you can't understand. It's in other words, you're still not fit for the master's use, fit for the master's service. It means you're not prepared. So that's why we study the Word of God. So is the Word of God important to you? Sunday school important to you? Wednesday night important to you? Sunday night important to you? All these things should be important to you or your own personal time. I had to put up with my son-in-law this week. You know, because his wife was with my wife. You know, they was on that little boat. So anyway, we did a few things. And 
came home. I said, I'm going to drop you at the house. I said, I'm going down here to a restaurant. So he said, okay. So he got his truck and he went and got him some pizza, feasted. I went down to uh, Denny's right down below the house. And I brought in my Bible, this one, and a couple books that I had I was going to read. And as I sat there and drank me some coffee and the little lady, she'd walk up there. Can I help you? I said, yes, ma'am, just a half a cup. Half a cup? I said, yes, ma'am. I, I drink so slow. Sometimes it just gets cold on me. I said, I'd rather have you make 20 trips. <laughs> she smiled a little bit and gave me a half a cup of coffee, and she left. After all, she'd come walking back. Are you going to eat? I said, yes, ma'am. But not yet. Oh. Need some coffee? Yeah, just half a cup. I said, that's two. She 18 times to go yet. Anyway, she, she left. Well, um, she come back. I ordered something. I ate it. And then she came back again. Need, need a warm-up? Yes, ma'am. Give me a little warm-up. I was there for two and a half hours that I just sat and read and studied. And I went back and forth. And I was in this book. I was in this book. I was all over the place. I had paper there, and I'm writing all kind of stuff, you know. And so finally she comes. She says, I see you're reading the good book. I says, yes, ma'am. I says, it's a good book. It's got a good story. I says, do you know where you're going to go when you die? She says, well, I hope I'm going to heaven. I says, if you could know it, wouldn't you like to know? Said, well, yeah. I said, let me, let me show you something. I says, let me ask you these two questions. And then I want to show you something. She says, okay. It wasn't too busy in there at this time of night, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, something like that. I said, isn't it true that you've heard almost all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? She said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, if you've heard that, how come you ain't going to heaven? I don't know. I says, if he paid for all the sins of the world, why should you go to hell and pay for any sins if he paid for all of them? She says, I don't know. I said, you never thought about that? She said, no, I never thought about that. I said, think about that. So she thought about that. And I says, the only reason is because you haven't accepted the payment he made for you. I said, he made a payment for the sins of the whole world. So that means they're all paid. I says, when I get through eating here and I go up here to that register and I pay for my meal, I says, do I have to pay for it again before I get out the door? She says, no. I said, if he paid for all of your sins, do you have to pay for them again? She said, you shouldn't. I says, can I show you something? You've never seen this, so I'm going to show you right now so that you can see what I showed her. I says, this is you and me. This is sin. God says that, that we all have sin on us. And because we are a sinner, we sin. See, this doesn't make me a sinner. I produce this because I am a sinner. I have a no sinful nature. And because of sin, i got to pay for it. And the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. I didn't want to go to hell. I said, now, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. Now, nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. We're all sinners. And because of sin, can't get in. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. All of our good deeds will not pay for our sin. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from him. So Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, all of us, paid for all the sin for everybody, came back from the dead. 
So the payment has already been made 2,000 years ago. The only thing you have to do, the only thing I can do, is believe he did it for us. So I looked at her and I says, will you believe that he did this for you? Will you trust Jesus Christ to take you to heaven whenever you die? She said, yes, I will. I said, if you trust Christ right now, I said, he would give you right now as a free gift, everlasting life. I says, if I offered you my coffee cup and you accepted, what would you have? She says, coffee cup. I says, if I offered you my Bible and you accepted, what would you have? She said, a Bible. I said, if Jesus Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? She says, eternal life. I said, if it's eternal life, how long would it last? She says, forever. I said, if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? She said, I'm going to heaven. I says, where are you going? She said, I'm going to heaven. I says, it makes sense. She said, that makes sense to me. Can you do that? Can you do that? Have you ever done that? Try that. Ask the question as bold as you can. Do you know where you're going when you die? Or have you ever had anybody take the Bible and show you how to have eternal life? Or if you could know you could have eternal life, wouldn't you like to know? Any way you can word it, let God use you. But find a way. That's more important than anything else you'll ever accomplish in this world is where people are going to spend eternity. Growing in grace produces a good soul winner because that is what it's all about. That's why God left us here. We're not here just so I can build me a big business, so I can be the pastor of a great church. I'm not here for that. We're here to keep people out of hell so they can know that they have eternal life and know that they're going to heaven when they die. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord, maybe you're like that little waitress I talked to. If you died right now, where would you go? Say, well, I'm not sure. Well, if Christ paid for all of your sins, why don't you believe he did it for you? And God said, if you'll believe it, he'll put that payment to your account and you get to go to heaven on what he did for you. No tricks to it, no gimmicks. Now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If what I've said made sense to you, and you say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where I am. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else, just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. But is there anyone at all? Say, yes, I will trust Christ right now as my Savior, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Other others. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one for being here. And I pray, Lord, that the truths that we discussed will be a blessing to each one. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal these things so that they can know how to apply them. We commit this church to you, all the people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.